What's up, crew? Welcome to another Clover Tech podcast. It is February 16th, 2022, and we've got uh, Aaron backstage with Throom Targets. Going to be talking a little bit about all the uh, cool products that they have, hopefully a little company history and that sort of thing. If you are in replay, of course, welcome. And remember that if you do join us live, like I see several people are filing in now to do, you've got an opportunity to participate out there in the live chat. Throw those questions out there. I will flag them. Be patient. We will get to them. I don't want to disrupt the flow of conversation any more than I have to, but we will flag those questions and certainly do our best to try to get an answer for you. If you're live, you can also participate in the poll, and we'll check on that as time goes along and then uh, reveal the uh, final results of that poll at the end of the show. The poll for uh, this one is what type of targets do you use most? Uh, right now, we've got uh, steel leading the way with 64%. 36% is paper. We've also got the option of rubber silicone polymer, which is similar to the Throom targets we're going to be talking about today. Uh, and then I've got other. I don't know what other there is. I guess uh, tin cans and soda cans and soda jugs, maybe. But uh, if you do choose other, throw it out there in the chat. Rotten fruit sometimes makes a good target as well. Uh, finally, want to say uh, thanks as always it is scrolling down below to the uh, Patreon patrons, the YouTube channel members, those that super chat, super thanks, and shop over at the uh, store clovertech.com slash shop as we move forward we may be checking out the uh, throom targets website and if you want to follow along when we do that there will be a link wherever you're watching listening live or in replay link down below all right with that let's bring in uh miss aaron how are you oh, pretty good we're doing good <laughs> so i want to start out um because it, it was interesting when, you know, I look at the branding, right? And it's, it's Thrum Targets. Um, and in the branding, it says Newbold. And yeah. Newbold sounds familiar. Is it, should mm -hmm. I be, should it sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, it should. Um, so Newbold is, uh, is actually the name of our company that we started in 1995. It's generation. Um, so my grandfather, my father, my uncle, um, and we've been doing, uh, polymer self-sealing targets, um, you know, for over 25 years. Uh, I won't lie. I was eight years old when they started this company. <laughs> um, so I can say that I've been shooting them my whole life. Um, but my contribution was, uh, coming in, uh, rebranding, giving the whole platform a fresh face as room targets um and bringing in uh so, like self-sealing brackets two by four holders all these things that you can add to your experience that just enhance that is self-sealing reactive target you know when the company was new bold and when it started um it was just a line of targets that you could integrate in your shooting target practice uh now with the self-healing shoot through brackets and two by four holders and all those other vehicles for, for the target, it's a whole target system. So that's really the update there. But Newbold's been around for a while, for decades. Um, Throom is our new branding. Gotcha. Now is, is, has the technology of, and, and we're obviously going to get into the Throom targets and the composition and I guess what makes those uh, special, what makes those different, but through the through the years of product development, and I know you were young, but surely you've heard the history of it. Um, yeah. As the technology of materials, how did those first products look compared to where the targets are today? Yeah, I, those first targets were, uh, I, some of them were like amber colored. Then when Newbold really first launched, they were, we offered them four different colors. They were red, yellow, orange, and black. Um, and we got comments that it looked like a circus or, uh, mo the, right before the rebranding did like a mini focus group. And we were told that they were old man colors. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, there were some rough comments. <laughs> right, right. Um, 
there were there were issues definitely with the the colors as they stood when we first launched because red it was tough to see your red optic yellow got washed out in the sun black you couldn't see indoors against your backstop orange uh i mean i never had a problem shooting at the orange but it was safety orange the color right right so that's something we don't normally shoot at so um it definitely needed a facelift uh (laughs) so it definitely changed over the years uh the way that the targets really started is that our background as a family business uh we're an and we started really as an engineering firm we build custom equipment and that was what we were doing before so we had a lot of experience with polymers we had a lot of experience making different kinds of polymers whether they were super tough or lighter and and more flexible like a silicone um it gave us the ability to really cast different types of polymers different shapes different styles and then take them out to their range and just see you know how we could use them it started out almost sort of like ballistics gel and they realized we could make a reactive self-sealing target that mimics steel was safer than steel and you could shoot it at a much closer standoff distance in fact i mean from an inch off the plate the target still reacts like paper lets the bullet pass through but then it reacts and does something. So we like to say we're safer than steel, but we're more fun than paper, like that in-between area. So I'm gonna I'm gonna play the skeptic for a minute. And admittedly, I have no experience with the throwing products. Yeah. But when you talk about the reaction, and we're gonna look at some of the examples and probably go to the website here in a second, get specific with it. But um, I know that I've played around with a lot of other whatever what do you call them polymer that's the thing i don't know the composition uh, yeah. of them but polymer silicone rubber whatever you want to call it i've played with them in the past and even when they're hanging depending on the projectile being used the velocity there's some other things that go into Same that you don't even you don't even see them swing you don't even see them move yeah. um so i want to talk about the reactive part of it can you can you explain a little bit or talk a little bit about how you were able to strike that balance to make that happen where it was still passed through, but yet it would still react at the same time? Yeah, definitely. Um, it definitely has to do with, well, there's a lot of different factors, right? But it definitely has to do a lot with, you know, the density of the plate. And we had to strike this balance between, um, you know, obviously you want a target that has a lot of longevity, right? You don't want a target that's going to be destroyed right you know a hundred shots and you're done right like paper uh, right yeah and the, the the thing with a lot of reactive targets are um especially with something that you're talking like a plastic target right you're gonna get a, a lot of reactivity out of the target um some of those swinging targets that you know are made of different materials than ours that are made of denser polymers they get these big holes blown in them so you get a highly reactive target that you can't use after a hundred shots. So we had to strike this balance between how do we make the target reactive, but also we want it to still self seal. And we still want a target that we can get thousands and thousands of shots through and you're still gonna be able to use it. So I I grew up, I didn't go to school for engineering, but I grew up in a machine shop and I grew up an engineer alongside my uncle and my father and my grandfather, right? So I, I came to this to do the marketing and sales but really my background is in the engineering. And I've definitely been accused of creating targets that are not consumable enough <laughs> because, right? Because you've got a rifle yeah. target that you can put tens of thousands of hits through. Like when's somebody gonna buy a new one, right? Like what kind of business model is that? Um, but really it was playing around with the durometer, playing around with the density of the plate and trying to find a material where we could strike that balance. Um, Our hanging targets, one of the things that we do differently is we don't make the strap rigid, right? So the strap is flexible just like the target is. And that gives us the ability to move the target more, even with a 22, right? So the strap can be hit just like the target can be hit. You get a tiny pinhole. And what's nice about the hang tough targets that we have in our line is you know where you hit it based on the reaction you get. So you hit it in the middle, it swings straight back. You hit on the sides, it's starting to go side to side, right? Like a revolving door. And if you hit the strap, it wiggles a little and stops. So you know exactly where your hit placement is based on the reactive movement, you know, that you're getting. 
Right. right. Um, our knockdown targets are, doesn't matter where that hit is placed, the target goes down. Knocks down, stay down, done, right? Um, I would say our least reactive target and that reaction that you're talking about where you barely see it move is happening with our bounce back targets. Um, they're a little bit more rigid. They're meant for center fire rounds that are heavier. I would say like 40s, you know, definitely like 40 wad cutters or flat, you know, flat nose rounds, uh, 45s and 50 caliber slugs are great for those because they really, really flip around a 22 or a lower grain nine millimeter is going to wiggle it just a tiny bit. And that's what you'll see like in our commercial on our website, you know, we're hitting them with nine millimeters. They're going a tiny bit. Um, they're really for like the heavier caliber center fire rounds or even like I said, shotgun slugs. Um, but yeah, our, it, it definitely took a lot of um, time and research and engineering to find a material that would still move <laughs> and then would last a long time. Right. right. Yeah. And that, yep. that does mean, just so you know, like that does mean that some of our targets, um, because we're striking that balance, we do have different kinds of levels of material for different targets that we offer, right? Okay. Because they're being gotcha. asked to do a different job. Our dueling tree plates are made of a different material than the knockdown plates. It's easier to knock down and knock down. You just have to tip it. But the dueling tree plates are being asked to do more. So their material is a little different. Right. We've got uh, a few things in the chat. Let's go to that real quick. I want to get behind. Uh, Ghost out there is saying, I love the idea of the falling plates. Looking into getting some to replace uh, our steel falling plates at our range. Um, so are you seeing more people switch from uh, traditional steel over to? Yeah. The, and um, the stuff? They're you know what? One of the main things, too, and this is kind of like an unintended benefit is that our targets are seven times lighter than their steel counterparts. Right. I don't know about a lot of other people, but there's a lot of times where I invite people to come out to the range or whatever. I'm going by myself to set up, right? So setting up steel is cumbersome, right? Yep. You've got a wagon, you got to have, you know, it's all in your trailer. It's heavy. It's difficult to set up, right? Mm -hmm. And then- you got sharp edges. Don't forget sharp edges. That happens. Absolutely. I, you know, I made a joke um, at the shot show. I was talking to somebody about when we would do, um, you know, I, I guess when we started out, we, we made sure we were like, like every local match that happened, right? We wanted to be out there. We wanted a product because people don't understand what this product is until they shoot it, till they feel it, till they touch it. So I was like boots on the ground every single weekend. I was at a match. I didn't care if it was in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Maryland. I was all over the place any, as far as I could drive, right? And we would get out there and we, they would always put us next to the steel guys, right? So there'd be like a steel bay and then me. <laughs> right. And we would set up. I would be set up in 20 minutes, right? The steel guy had been there for two and a half hours, right? I walked down range with a plate rack over my shoulder and a dueling tree on the other shoulder, like they each weigh 10 pounds. I just walked down and like put them in the ground. I'm like, I'm done. Right. All so right. we would go to pack up and I'd walk back to the car and I'd put my gloves on. I'd walk back out. And then one day my mom said, why do you always bring gloves to the range? I said, cause I'm packed up in 20 minutes. The poor steel guy next to me has got two more hours of work. Right. Mm -hmm. So I throw right. my gloves on and go help him. Right. <laughs> so I got to say like the weight you know, getting it down there. We're seeing a lot of people adopt this because of that. And then we're also seeing a lot of um, people are calling us and saying, our county is going non-metal. Non like we're not allowed to shoot metal targets anymore. Right. We didn't know what right. to do. So we started looking for an alternative and we realized you had all the steel counterparts, right? And then a lot of adoption happening in indoor ranges because, yes. you know, people start shooting paper indoors. And it's, it's fun for a while. And then you want to see something happen. Um, our targets can be shot indoors because there's nothing coming off the plates. The round's going to end up in the backstop. It's not going to destroy the lights or the floor or anything. Um, so we are seeing a lot of people start to use them in indoor ranges. We've had people call and say the range is getting complaints that the noise level is too loud. They don't mind the gunshots for some reason, but they mind the clang of the steel. Well, <laughs> you know, the noise it's wild, right? And so yeah. we get calls about that and they say, oh, they don't complain as much when we use your targets, you know? <laughs> That's it's weird. wild. And then from a safety standpoint, and this was another cool thing, 
Um, we get calls from ranges out in Colorado and California and even in Australia where wildfires are a huge risk and right. there's less of a risk of fire um, using our targets because the bullet's going into the backstop and, you know, it's not right. creating any, any fire risk too. Yeah. Yeah. Now it, it's important. Uh, we haven't had this question, but I do want you, I know the answer to it, but where are you guys based out of? Yeah, we're in New Jersey, which people are shocked by right. <laughs> a lot of times. I, I knew I knew that, but um, yeah, I didn't know. I figured people would eventually ask, and I think that it's really yeah. neat when uh, when we see companies from the firearm industry in states that are not so firearm friendly, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I like to say we're holding it down here right. <laughs> in New right. Jersey. Definitely, I think. Um, you know, it's cool. It's there's two two things our state's not friendly, right? With and that's one is manufacturing, and the other is guns. And um, we're doing both right here in New Jersey. And right. I really am proud that like our family has been able to provide manufacturing jobs, you know, in this state for 25 years. And uh, and it's been yeah, and it's nice. So we ship right from here. You know, we manufacture right from here. And we buy our materials and all of our vendors are US, US based companies as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, knock out a uh, few comments here, right quick. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, West out there. He says uh, his brother has some Throom products and he's used them to two by four holders and hanging targets. Very impressed and looking to get more. So uh, got a little feedback there. Awesome. We've got, uh, what do we got? Calaveras here says, uh, can their plates be used on a Texas star? So that's an interesting one. Okay. So we are working on that. Um, we have, so we have retailers all over the world. One of our retailers called, um, caliber, caliber innovations. I'll give them a shout out. They're in the UK and they called me one day and said, we're going to make a Texas star with the, with the plates, with the six inch plates or the eight inch plates. Um, they did it. Uh, they did it. It's amazing. It works great. Um, we're working to bring those plans over here. Um, right now what they do, it's really cool. They bought this laser cutter. They can do the entire Texas star out of a couple of sheets of four by eight plywood, mm -hmm. and then it can be shipped and assembled that way. So it's kind of like, Wow. You've ever played with like kids, you know, those kids toys, the cars or whatever you could punch out of the cardboard and fold over the whole thing and like sure. build something right. And they're punch out cardboard or wood puzzles. Um, they have designed a Texas star that can be shipped to you on sh four sheets of four by eight plywood. And when you get it, you punch them all out and assemble it. It is very cool. We're working on the shipping and the logistics right now. That's the only issue is shipping costs are, are high for something like that. Um, right. And we like to pride ourselves on having something that is like an affordable alternative. Right. Um, but yes, we have one. It's functioning. It is super cool. It's in the UK right now, but we're working on getting it here. You uh, you mentioned some shipping there. We've got uh, our good buddy Alaska Ballistics here. He says, do they charge an arm and a leg to ship to Alaska? I'll <laughs> throw it in a USPS shipping flat rate box. So how do you guys normally facilitate your shipping to places like Alaska? Okay. So or, typically or Australia, for that matter, because you mentioned yeah, Australia, Australia earlier. I know. Yeah. So we, <laughs> yeah, we've become really, really good <laughs> at the shipping situation. Um because um because there's a lot of countries singapore australia to name two that um are really not friendly for i mean i steal targets but really just guns in general um yeah. we had to jump through hoops to be approved to wow. um sell our targets in those countries we i mean a 36 page safety and tested data document that we had wow. to run and put together just to be approved um to ship to the, you know, through the government in Singapore and Australia. And so we've become really good at figuring out how to like find cost effective shipping methods to, to those locations. To um, Alaska, when you go to um, place an order on our website um, at ThroomTargets.com, you 
are immediately given the chance to select a USPS flat rate as a shipping option. Nice. If you want the two by four holders, they won't fit in a flat rate box. So I say any, you know, if it gives you the option on the website for a flat rate box, great, select it. It's going to be the best method. Uh, if it doesn't, it's probably because you've got those alpha brackets in there. Just shoot us an email on our contact form. We will custom quote shipping to you so that we make sure it doesn't break the bank. Um, and we've got great deals to our shipping partners, but our website doesn't necessarily always give the best deals when you're when you're coming from that location. So you just shoot us an email and one of us just grabs a custom quote for you. Right. Um, if it's a small family business. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. We've got ben, ben out there. Uh, this question come up before we actually even got started. Um, says, can uh, all ammo types be used? Uh, and is there caliber restrictions? So you talked a little bit about some of the different uh, different types of targets. Can yeah. you speak to the types of projectiles and the caliber used? Be before you do that, though, I want to throw a little insight in here that I've got a, I call it a rubber, but it's a self-healing target. Uh, mm -hmm. that I shot with a shotgun just to see how well it did. Now, this is from another company. I won't mention their name. But <laughs> uh, it actually done really well with birdshot, and it was fun. It was fun as it could be with birdshot. Uh, but with buckshot and getting up into slugs, mm -hmm. uh, oh, good Lord, it would eat it all to pieces really, really quick. So uh, depending on distance, depending on the caliber, you know, the size of the diameter of the projectile, the projectile style, um, are there any restrictions, anything you would advise against for longevity? I know that you want people to buy more targets, obviously, but shoot yourself in the foot here. How, how, do, how, do they get, how do they get maximum life out of those targets? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I joke that if you're only shooting 22 uh, LR, you're never going to call me again. Never going to need another target ever. I've got a six inch hang tough uh, that has 18,022 hits in it. I, it still looks absolutely fine. It looks like there's a bunch of black little pepper dots on it. There's like not even a hole. It's unbelievable. Um, there really is no caliber restriction. The only thing that we say is um, absolutely no BBs, no pellets, no airsoft guns. It will right. bounce back. I don't yes. care how fast you're running. I mean, people will say, yeah, but we got these souped up velocities, like 1700 feet per second. It does not matter. We've shot them with everything. The NRA brought us to their range and they shot with some of the most souped up air rifles I've ever seen. Some of them were running over 3000 feet per second. They were wow. still coming back at us. It does not matter. Um, so that would be our only real restriction. But in terms of firearms are running like 22s all the way to 50 caliber um we, there really is no caliber restriction a we've got i think i have one here but basically the hole you get from a 45 is the size of a pencil tip right um wow. a 50 caliber looks exactly the same um a nine millimeter is smaller than a pencil tip a 22 a 223 is virtually undetectable um so you're going to get thousands and thousands of rounds out of them. You get a lot of action. We say that hollow points are our kryptonite. Uh, hollow points will cookie cut the target. So you're going to see more damage. If you have a hollow point that's got like a star-shaped tip or something like that, it's going to have a star-shaped hole in your target, basically. It will be a little bit small. It'll be less damage than you were expecting, but it'll still be more damage than obviously us as engineers are happy with, right? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Slugs are fine. They're going to leave a hole about the size of a hollow point. Um, but they, I will be honest, every single one of our targets will accept slugs. And it is a lot of fun. They go down hard and fast and, and they react a whole heck of a right. lot. So slugs are fun. Right. We have a specific target for shotgun, for shot. So really? for buckshot, birdshot, we have one. We actually brought it out to the shot show the day before we had hit it with 100 buckshot hits. And wow. uh, brought it to the show. It didn't even have a crack in it or anything. Just had a bunch of little black dots. And it passes right through. Highly reactive. So it's it's a ton of fun. So really, you now, don't have any caliber restriction. I noticed with with the one that I shot, and I don't know, I put I probably put a few hundred rounds easily on it. Uh, mostly with birdshot. Because, again, the slugs and the buckshot seem to tear it up more. 
but yeah. I did notice that it wanted to warp. It wanted to bulge mm. out in the back. In the back, do you guys okay. have yeah. a problem? Do you guys have a problem with that on y'all's shotgun target? No, and I will tell you why. <laughs> so, so basically, um, so our so we do we do things a little different in terms of uh, chemistry composition, right? Whatever. So right. we talked about like walking that line between reactive target and something that's self-sealing. One of the things that we do um, that makes our targets, I think, <laughs> have like a higher level of performance, right? Is that a lot of the competitors out there for us, they are um, using an injection molded process or molding process, right? To make their targets, right? So we're not doing that. We're using an open cast process. I'll just I'll share the process. We're using an open cast process. So our product, our targets, they are a completely solid piece. So when that round enters the target, it's being gripped or held onto as it passes totally through. So you're not going to see a pinhole in the front and a blowout in the back or like that cupping. Um, right. And that's because it's a solid piece all the way through. There's no webbing inside or hollow point, you know, or hollow areas or anything like that. Um, right. One of the things that we see from some of the other targets out there are tiny hole in the back giant or tiny hole in the front, big blowout in the back. Well, you're never right. going to experience that with ours right. just because just, of the way they're made. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. It's a more consistent pass through basically Absolutely. what you're saying right. with that. So uh, you, I think you covered ghost's question here earlier. He says, uh, depending on the caliber, is there a round count with these targets? How long is their lifespan typically? You, know, okay. you kind of answered that earlier a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? It was like 22s, you're going to get tens of thousands of hits. Same with 223s. Velocity really doesn't matter to us in terms of round count. Um, I know, you know, a 22 versus a 223, we're talking about similar size, way bigger difference in velocity, right? So, and, and the punch that they're going to pack. But because of the way that these targets absorb energy, doesn't really matter to them. A 22, it, the hole is going to look a hole, I call it, but the pin hole in there is going to look the same as a 223. Um, right. a, an, an eight inch plate is going to take at least a thousand hits with 45s uh, before you see sort of groupings wow. of shots where maybe you're going to see light through those areas, right? right? You can still hit it, but a thousand hits before you start seeing little groupings of uh, holes together well, you know as you as you get a concentration right so if you was to sure. put a thousand rounds in the same exact area over and over and over again right that's yeah. just that's repeated wear in that same area so that sort of makes sense we did a torture test we did a thousand rounds on an eight inch plate but we kept them grouped in a four inch center in a diameter and we did it it took us two hours and 46 minutes or something to do it and wow. the target was hot to the touch. Um, I would imagine. Yeah. So it was like completely unrealistic. I mean, like nobody is, I mean, we had three people reloading. We had three 33 round magazines and then a magazine, which is a single, you know? So it was like, you know, punch these three, you know, this mag, this, this mag, this mag, and then pop, you know, was a hundred and you could right. keep the count. And we did that. The target was like searing hot. <laughs> so, wow. um, but yeah, but that's when you start to see those groupings, right? And then you can see light or holes through them. Yeah. So the key to that is to have, and it sounds like with, uh, with Ron out there, Ron says, uh, just jumped onto the website, great prices and he'll be making an <laughs> order. So, uh, thanks for that, Ron. Appreciate it. Thanks, bud. Ron. <laughs> but, um, uh, so it sounds like, uh, from Ron's perspective there, the, uh, the prices are right. So the moral of the story is have more than just one and you can alternate, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one of the greatest things too about, um, especially the knockdown, I mean, the bounce backs are similar, but the knockdowns, there are about 78 different targets that we offer that'll fit in that base. So the base for the knockdown base, it costs $8.99, right? And you can snap the targets in and out of that. So you can have your bases assembled on your cross beam and then you can shoot at a couple of different plates and you can pop them out, snap new ones on. And I mean, anything from, we have all the rounds, right? You have the, the four, six, eight inch rounds, but then we have prairie dogs, whiskey bottles, 
you know, chickens, pigs, turkeys, rams, tombstones, you know, all the fun stuff too. Um, so it makes it, you know, makes it fun and makes it modular, you know, build it any way you want, customize it any way you want. Right. Uh, that yeah. ghost out there. He said, so you're saying that you could cook some bacon on the targets as well, <laughs> even better. So yeah, she, did, Just she didn't go that far. Have <laughs> more than that's three a, magazines. <laughs> let me tell you what, right now with ammo, that's some expensive bacon. That's all I got to say. Yeah. You were talking about the different styles and stuff that you have in the Alaskan ballistics I'd asked earlier. He said, can they make a target uh, in the shape of a grizzly bear, grizzly mm. bear head? So yeah, um, technically do good. you guys have a custom side or are you open to input from people as to new designs? Yeah. I mean, we're definitely, we're always open to input. Um, the nice part about being the manufacturer, right. Or manufacturing here, um, you know, steps away from, you know, our offices, right. Is, um, and actually I, I will tell you, our, our shop and our office has always been in the same building, um, with like COVID and lockdowns and changes and whatever, we need more space. And so we moved our manufacturing plant an hour South of here. Um, but then we're going to, by the spring, we'll be back together again. Um, but they are separated at the, at this time. Um, so that's kind of been tough, right? Cause I kind of enjoy sitting at a computer and then running and turning a wrench somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> so that's been right. hard. Um, but yeah, well, we're open to it. We have the ability to do it. Um, you know, I'll share a secret. Uh, I take the targets if I need a specific shape for a match. I mean, before we had, we used to do these like four leaf clover matches and stuff. Before we had a club, um, I used to just take an eight inch round, sketch the shape I wanted in a bandsaw. Just cut it out. Ah, I didn't think yeah. about that. But yeah. Yeah. Because the material will, you know, you can cut it, um, you know, and you can put it in uh, a belt sander. You can put it in a, in a band sign in any shape you want, really. So what's the largest size that you guys make? So technically the largest target we make is a full size 42 inch pepper popper. Um, it's got a six inch head and a 12 inch center mass. So that would be the largest one. The largest knockdown bounce back or hanging target, so standard size, is um, is an eight inch round right now. Okay. okay. Yeah. Just because if you make them larger than that, you lose the reactivity. So if we get outside of that eight inch diameter, we have to start changing the composition of the material for that product to make it more reactive at that. And then the more reactive you make it, the less self sealing it's going to be, the lower the target life. So we have to screw that line all the time, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so we've got uh, Calaveras out there talking about uh, weather because, I mean, this can be an issue, uh, especially yeah. if you leave stuff on the range. So how do these targets handle extreme weather, 120 mm -hmm. plus, below 30, you know, that sort yeah. of thing? So the targets are actually rated for 125 plus Fahrenheit down to negative 40. Uh, we've tested them at those ranges, negative uh, 40 degrees. Frozen Lake out in Alberta, Canada with a, we were doing 7.62. We're trying to get them with like pretty big rifle rounds, things that might shatter them in extreme cold. They still leave a tiny pinhole. So they'll, nice. they'll work at that temperature. Um, the color in UV will fade a little bit. Not enough for me to call, get a call with somebody complaining, but in extreme heat, um, you could get a little bit of the green fading. Um, right. but otherwise they'll perform at those temperatures. The key too, it isn't just extreme heat or extreme cold, you know, humidity is also a factor. Um, right. so we've tested them in Miami and we tested them in Arizona, you know, you test them in Maine, you test them in Alaska, right? So it's like different levels of temperature versus humidity and, you know, alongside of those things. The one thing that I will say is the knockdowns and the dueling tree, um, in, extremely humid conditions. I like to use like WD-40 or some other kind of lubricant on the pins so that they move a little bit easier, but that would be the same for my steel too. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's break up the website for those on the audio side. We'll try to be as descriptive as possible and actually take a look at, at some of the specific products. I'm curious about, 
Where on the site here is going to be that shotgun target you talked about? So that's under three gun. It's a less exciting. I wonder if there's a, I don't know if we left the video on there, but that round one with all the holes in it. Yeah, I don't think they have. There's a plate rack on there on the video. Um, we do have a YouTube video, um, but it's an older one. So I'd have to, I'd have to look it up and find it. But this is our, our shotgun target. It has multiple holes along the outside just because buckshot, if you're using like a tight choke, right, can rip the corners of the target. So there's multiple mounting areas, basically. Um, okay. So we've included those. You can hang it from, I usually hang it from like three or four feet of like nylon rope from two different sides. So you can hold it, you know, forward. We've got like right. a how-to video um on on youtube that shows you like how you can kind of hang it up and mount it at an indoor range though the easiest way to do this is to literally take the top corner of this target and staple it to the bottom of the cardboard hanger wow and okay. then you can hit it on the carrier and it flips back and forth when you hit it it's like totally reactive and it's kind of cool and the hang tops are the same um, if you were at an indoor range and they allowed these, we we're getting a lot of indoor ranges that are allowing you to staple these just like you would staple or clip paper to the cardboard right. hangers. You can right. staple or clip a hang tough or a shotgun target to the bottom of the cardboard and shoot right. at that. And then you get a reactive fun target um, at an indoor range. And you don't have to go downrange to reset it because you just bring the carrier forward, clip on your target and send it back out. Right. So yeah. what, um, what is the thickness on this particular target? It is really thin. It, it's just over a quarter of an inch. And okay. it's that way so that we can get the buckshot and bird shot to pass totally through. We don't want the, the shot to be packing up inside the target. So right. this was as this was that that moment we tested all different thicknesses. And this is the perfect one for allowing both types of shot to pass totally through. And that is, that's an issue with the one that I was telling you that I played around with. Uh, yeah. Packed is, up. Yeah. It's all the birdshot. It's, it's, I, think, I don't think, I don't think any of the birdshot out of the hundreds of rounds I put on it, I don't think any of it has passed through. I think it's yeah, all in it. It. <laughs> it, it. Yeah. Because it weighs 20 times more than it did, you know, when yeah. I started. Yeah. Um, the idea with all of our targets is we want that shot to pass totally through and go to the backstop. Right. That's the idea. So this was this was what we could do. And I got to tell you, these shotgun targets soar when you hit them. I mean, they flip all around. We were hitting the shotgun target at the shot show days before shot show um, at only 10 yards, 15 yards. They were flipping all over the place and didn't rip right. or tear, didn't have to replace any. It was a lot of fun. Right. So. Now, G Webb's out there. He says uh, that they looked at one of the targets. Uh, it's shot show that's been shot hundreds of hundreds of times because yeah. he has a video on that over on his channel. So yeah, uh, you could check that one out too if you're interested. Yeah, not with um, our one. We actually shot that with Smith and Wesson. That that specific target was shot the day before shot show. Smith and Wesson brought out one of their new shotguns and we just hammered the heck out of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, let's uh Let's talk, I guess, maybe flagship here. So out of all the products, where can we go? What would you say is the best seller? Yeah, the six-inch knockdown plate rack. So if you go to the knockdown tab, should be the first thing that pops up. That the guy right there. That pops up. There it is. Hands down, our best one. It comes with six six-inch plates, six bases, and then those end brackets for the two-by-fours. Mm -hmm. And it weighs 10 pounds. It ships in a 10 by 10 by 10 box. So it's super compact, like to ship it. So it doesn't cost a whole heck of a lot to ship it. Um, if you assemble that cross beam at home, so you put all those little black, you know, brackets on there. Um, then when you go out to the range, you just pull that out, snap all your targets in, put those end caps for the two by fours on there, slip in the legs. You're good to go in like 45 seconds. Um, we were out, we were out at a range and, shooting a couple of plate racks and we had a couple of knockdowns and a couple of hang tough ones. And somebody was like, Oh, I'd like a chance on the hang tough one, but how long would it take you to set it up? And I said, probably 90 seconds, you know? So they call a right. ceasefire. I run out there. I move the knockdown plate rack like five feet over. 
I bring the hang tough one in, slip the two by fours into the two by four end caps that I think we call them the alpha brackets. So I slip the two by fours in there. I set it up. I run back, you know, and the guy looks over and he goes, I just timed you. That was 45 seconds. So <laughs> it's pretty, nice. I mean, once you have that cross beam assembled, it's so easy, you know, right. go out, snap it together. And they're all weather safe. So even this setup can be just left outside. I think my brother-in-law had one that he just left out in the snow, like all winter, you know, right. out in Pennsylvania. They got a couple acres. You just leave it out there. You bang it around when you want to. Never right. put it inside. It doesn't rust. Right. So. Exactly. I mean, you got to maybe worry about, you know, if you're not using the uh, treated lumber, I mean, you, right. would, you would have to worry about the lumber rotting yeah, or something yeah. more than, uh, more than with anything else. And yep. you know, what gets me, I mean, I have, I've seen multiple steel plate racks and the price point on this considered your, you know, the, the life cycle of it and, right. and all of that, what is, is, is amazing. I mean, you're looking at a third of the price of, Right. I think the cheapest plate rack I've ever seen right here. Right. So. I'm not, yeah. And that's kind of our whole thing is like portable and affordable, right? Right. Something that, it, you know, it's a different experience. I think, you know, before when we were new bold, right, we just had the targets. Um, you know, when we came out with the alpha bracket, we saw sales to women and to people who were over 70 just skyrocket mm. um, because it made it more accessible right? Made it easier to set up. You know, it meant that you could go to the range by yourself or with one other person and still have a plate rack. I mean, you see a steel plate rack. I mean, I, my husband, and I would struggle to set that up by ourselves, right? Yeah. Cause it's heavy, okay. uh, yep. you know, it's unbelievably heavy. So yeah, this, this is kind of like change things where it's more accessible because it's affordable. It's more portable. It's safer. You know, it's more widely accepted. You're not going to get comments that you know range is not metal or you can't shoot metal on this bay but you can on that bay you know all those things so it's like anywhere paper is accepted this should be accepted you know well and the other thing is with you know and obviously that's your tagline or, or one of your selling points is no is no ricochet one oh, yeah. of the things it, it appears to me correct me if i'm wrong on this what we're looking at but it appears that the targets there um they're setting kind of an angle forward, right? And then when you yep. hit gravity, the energy and the gravity makes it fall, correct? There's exactly. no springs yeah. or anything to it. Yeah, and you kind of, you can't really see it in this picture because like the black gets washed out. But there's something on the front of the black bases that is called a balance bolt, or we call it a balance bolt. You can adjust that back or forward based on the caliber, right? Gotcha. Because you're right. shooting rim fire adjust it out more so they're standing more upright so they tip over a little bit easier right. if you're shooting the 45 you can lean them more right you right. can adjust the bolt out um the other thing that's great is the bolt and the the bases themselves are shoot through as well so we tested the bases up to about a hundred no we went up to 509 millimeter hits um wow. before they were like so wrecked up you couldn't use them anymore um right. We were out at a USCCA media event. We brought these with us. And um, Tom McHale, who's um, you know editor for American Handgunner, he was on me the whole day, right? What if I hit the base? What if we hit that bolt, right? What happens if we hit the bolt? I said, okay, at the end of the match, if nobody has hit it, I you can go down there. I'll let you shoot them up from a foot away. And he right. goes, okay, all right, fine. Halfway through the match, we go over to look and he goes, holy crap, somebody hit the bolt. Look, it went right through. So there were nine millimeter hits right through the balance bolt in the front of the base and wow. right through the target. And no one had even known that it happened, right? right. Um, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to hit the front of the base or the balance bolt and the target, the pins are flexible, right, where it mounts. So the pins will fold and the target comes wailing out and hits the ground. Right. Right. Yeah. You walk down range, yeah. pick up the targets, got a tiny pinhole in the base. You snap it back in. You're ready to go. Ready to go. Nobody yeah. Did. Yeah. So, yeah, I so, always love that story because he insisted we got to drill these, you know. So, yeah, yeah. and they're fun. <laughs> so I, I like I like this setup better than steel. And the reason I like this setup better than steel is that the angle 
when you're talking about this type of a plate rack, when you're shooting steel, that ricochet is up. Yeah. And so you've got the potential for a ricochet to go over a berm or, huh? you know, something of that nature. Um, and I really don't like that. If I'm going to have any type of, usually when I'm shooting steel, my steel is, it's, it's hung from a crossbar at the top, right? That way if it yeah, gets shot, every, everything yeah. is deflected downward, right? Yeah. Um, but there's really no way to do that with a plate rack. With a steel, let me back up, with a steel plate rack. With a but steel this, plate rack. But this solves that issue, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And I will say, one of the things that we were surprised in our research, right, because you know, we used to sponsor, you know, we still do sponsor, like you, you know, try to get, get out to, you know, uh, the seal challenge matches and things like that locally, especially, especially if they're going to happen in New Jersey, because there's so few matches in New Jersey. So we try like heck to support them when they are. Um, sure. but you know, when you get out there, I would have my car parked. Maybe my truck would be, you know, 50 yards behind the shooter's box. And then the targets are another 20 yards or 25 yards away from the shooter. When I was packing up to go home, the front, the hood of my car is like loaded with copper jacket, right? right. All kinds of rag. The whole thing is loaded from the entire weekend. And it's like, it can't be coming off that one bay. You know, it's coming from everywhere, right? Because of the way they're angled, like all these plates. Sure. So when we did the high speed video and it's like on the front page of the website, we did some high speed and we hit a bounce back. You don't get to see the reaction of the target because obviously we're shooting with a camera that was over a million frames per second, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to see the target like fully react, you actually would have to watch for like 15 more minutes, you know, because that's how, yeah, see, so all we're seeing is this like tiny thing where it goes through. So two things we did, we shot our target in high speed to see what happens to the bullet, what happens to the target, right? And, and the whole thing. And we also shot this steel plate here and you can see that when it frags, it doesn't actually, and this target is angled down and it's yes. not just hitting the ground. It's going 360 degrees. Yeah. So right. we realized that even when we angled it, the steel was coming, it was shedding off the top and coming right back to us. So it was kind of shocking. Like when we did the high speed, we were like, well, let's just get our targets in high speed. And then we're like, no, we need something to compare it to. You know, we should shoot a steel target in high speed. It's kind of shocking when you see it like that and you realize the frag is actually not just going down, right? It's all right. over, right? Right. So, yeah, yeah look here, it's coming back. Yeah. And you know, with y'all's, I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of splatter on the backside from the target yeah. material itself, you can see that. Right. But number one, yeah. it's not nearly as much as the steel. <laughs> For yeah, sure. it and, is it, on, and it's yeah. on that back side, so it's going away from you. It's so going away. It really doesn't matter. And I will say, like nine mil for the most part, um, you know, isn't going to create that. We shot. We wanted to see like a heavy reaction, so that is a forty-five wad cutter, and oh, so okay. that's why it's taken some material out the back. If you're shooting round nose ammunition at a through target, you're not going to get any of that coming out the back. If you're right. shooting wad cutters, semi wads, and, and hollow points, you're going to get material coming out of the back a little yeah, bit. Something with yeah. a flatter, a flatter tip, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, anytime that we shoot like that, we're like, we kind of want to see the worst case scenario, right? Right. So, so yeah. we've got a couple things. Uh, we've got Ghost out here. He says, uh, "Never heard of Thrum." He says, "Thanks for the podcast." So, I'm going to buy some for personal use and. Uh, falling plates for the range yeah that could be very cool ghost is uh, uh awesome thanks and i will i will say that so those falling plates the knockdown plates one of my favorite ways to use them and we don't advertise it here on our website but you can see it we started selling on um amazon and um like some of the most popular stuff we kind of we're feeling a lot of pressure to put it up on amazon people feel comfortable using them i totally get it so we put some stuff up there. The plate rack is up there and people were asking about the targets, how to reset them. Right. So we have these little holes in the front of the knockdown plate. So you can put um, rope and string and things, and you can reset them without walking up to them and manually resetting them. Uh -huh. But one of my favorite ways to use the knockdown plates actually is assemble that crossbar so that they're, you know, up or whatever. Then you can use them as a knockdown, stay down like they're intended, but also, 
I, you take that crossbar, slip it out of the two by four holder and flip it upside down. And now you've got an auto resetting target. Oh, this is they true. Flip. Yeah. They flip back and swing. So I will say anyone who's going for their first plate rack with us, with the rim targets, I would say go for the knockdown rack because you've got a knockdown plate rack one way, you flip it upside down, you've got hanging auto resetting plates the other way. So you got, yep. you know, you'll have more fun. <laughs> right. And yeah. with the uh, and with the knockdowns, I mean, you've got a variety, like you were talking oh, yeah. about, of different of different styles yeah. there. Yeah, uh, yeah. And they'll all fit in that that nine dollar base. So any of the knockdown targets that you see on our site, if it says knockdown, it's going to fit in that base. So you don't have to buy replacements. We get lots of people who buy a buy a plate rack, and then when they call us back up, they get you know a couple of squirrels or diamonds or whatever. Right. Yeah, you can mix it up. Um, yeah. Now, do you know you've got the, I noticed you've got the, the turkey and the ram and the chicken and the pig. Yeah. Do you know, are those various sizes according to like matches that somebody would shoot silhouette with those same type targets? Yeah. Um. So they're, they're oversized. So they're they're meant okay. to be placed at like a like a longer distance or or typically people are shooting these with rim fire. Um, uh-huh. We made these a little larger so you can place them at longer distances um, for rim fire, but also you can have them up closer and you can shoot center fire um, with those. So they're not exact, um, but uh, and I'm not sure that the the exact sizes used to be listed. Um, we just had a complaint about that recently, and I realized okay. they were on the old new bold mm-hmm. site, and for some reason they're not on the new Thrum site. So I've I've got IT right. pulling these over. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was curious about that because that's uh, that could be a cool thing. Yeah. Uh, for those that that do shoot, you know, the silhouette matches, and it's not it's not that big of an issue if they're oversized or undersized. But I mean, you kind of need to know what size. But they you need are, to know so what distance and what size. Right, exactly. so that you can place them at the right distance. Exactly right. Yeah. Can we have yeah. that coming over? I was surprised actually because somebody was like, "Hey, what's the size of the the ram, chicken, you know, turkey, pig?" And I was like, "What do you mean? It's got to be on there." I looked it up and I'm like, "Oh boy, not on there." Right. So right. <laughs> we're pulling it over now. So we had somebody out in the chat earlier. I don't know who it was. Was talking about the uh, the dueling trees. Yeah, and and that looks to be a similar design as the. Uh, as the knockdown, it just yeah. it's it's open on each side, Up so right. it can go from one end to the other, right? Yeah, so it's a similar bracket, except like exactly like what you said, it's open on one side, so it can swing, you know, full swing. Um, I will say this: so we kind of had to adapt with a I'm going to call it the ammo crisis, right? But like the way that it went, you know, in the beginning with the ammo shortage, we started noticing, and you can see it in this video. Um, people were shooting a lot lighter loads all of a sudden, especially in nine millimeter. And so our dueling tree was struggling to flip the plate back and forth like it had been in previous years. So we just re-engineered the dueling tree. Um, It should be available by the end of March. It was supposed to be available this month, but we've had, you know, since shot and everything, it's been pretty crazy and we had some people out sick and everything. So it's been tough to pull together, but you can see here on our website we have a we have a rim fire dueling tree and a handgun dueling or a center fire dueling tree. Um, that will no longer be the case. The new dueling tree that's coming out in March because we've re-engineered the material. It's a much uh, it, it's a tougher material in that it'll absorb more of the ener- shock energy from the round. Right. It still self seals really well, but it absorbs more energy. So now a, a twenty two, a nine mil, or a forty doesn't matter. It's going to flip it um, consistently. So you won't have to, one of the things that always drove me crazy, especially, you know, it doesn't matter if it's our targets or steel dueling trees, right? You need a different set of rim fire plates and a different set of center fire plates, right? Mm-hmm. right. So you're like, oh, I'm shooting my 22. I got to bring my other plates. Oh, I want to shoot my center fire. You know, I got to, got to change out the plates. That won't be the case in March. So I would say if you're new here, if you're seeing the dueling tree and you're excited about it, I would hold off and wait for the new one that's coming out. Um, this one's cool, but I'd really say you want to be hitting it with heavier, you know, with 40 caliber 45s on this one. Um, just because of the, you know, the type of material 
we're going to be switching to. It's going to be a lot more fun with the new one. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then you mentioned the, you mentioned the pepper poppers earlier. So, yeah. um, so with the, with the pepper popper, um, Oh, there they are. We have a, we have yeah. a video. So <laughs> that's, our pretty neat. that's kind of a delayed, a delayed fall with those. So they work yeah. very similar to a steel pepper popper. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And similar to a steel popper, um, if you're hitting below the center mass, it's going to be tough to knock it over. You want to be hitting center mass or head. Um, right. Knock those. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right. Wow. Cool. And I mean, same, same idea on that as the, uh, as the fallen plates and the plate rack, you know, I like because, you know, those being steel, your ricochet could potentially happen you know, going up as well. So, oh yeah, going up. That, yeah. And that's that angle. The one so. really is, you know, typically people who want to be training with a pepper popper, especially we're talking like tactical training or military and law enforcement who tend to be our biggest, you know, customers for the pepper poppers are, you know, their top complaint with the steel ones are, well, if we're training for a real gunfight, we're training inside of an arm's length. We're training from, you know, five feet or something like that. Right. You can't Right. Yeah, yeah, I can't shoot a right. steel pepper popper from five feet, <laughs> right? Yeah. Nope. Um, but this you can. Um, yeah. And so that's a real benefit there, having a reactive uh, pepper popper target, just like the steel one that you can safely interact with from, you know, even inside of an arm's length. Right, right, cool. Uh, <laughs> G-Web's out there. Company question here, manufacturing question. It says being made in the USA. Uh, has there been any material supply issues? So, yeah, how has the cough, cough and lockdowns and all the stuff over the last supply chain been over the last couple of years? We could see it coming. Um, I'm really lucky to work with a lot of really smart people and all of us could see it coming. Um, we immediately started working with, um, you know, with a, uh, a good friend who's become an incredible partner of ours. Uh, and, um, has taken over like a large part of manufacturing, like I said, down South, about an hour South of us in, um, you know, in Brick, New Jersey. And we all came together and we're like, you know, there's going to start being issues. They're going to be staffing issues. There's going to be material issues. Um, we stockpiled our materials. We couldn't fit them at our current location. <laughs> we started ordering in bulk so that we could store, uh, down at our new plant. And we were lucky to do that. We were stocked through the massive shortages. I remember calling to reorder materials, just like knowing that this summer we're going to need, you know, to be restocked and finding out, you know, what the lead times on those were. And some of the lead times on some of our materials were six months. Uh, they wanted minimum orders and, and three to six months time. So we were really lucky in that we could see it coming. We fortunately had the ability to, to stockpile those materials and we were able to protect our prices, especially for our retailers throughout that crisis. Um, most of the polymer materials and vendors, they're coming out of, um, you know, Texas, like the Taylor States and down south, and they experience those extreme cold temperatures. It, it's got some of their plants backed up, you know, through 2022 and 2023 in terms of what they can produce for polymer manufacturing. And we were able to luckily stockpile those and protect our retailers for this year. Very nice. Uh, so when you talk about those retailers, uh, do you guys work with dealers and that sort of thing? Yeah, we work directly with dealers. We maintain our own, um, our own retailer and dealer list. Uh, we like working okay. directly with those shops. We're a mom and pop shop. So we really like to work right. direct with them too. Um, yeah, that's been, it's been really nice. One of the things that we do is we don't allow any of our retailers to sell on third-party sites, Amazon or eBay, you know, or all sure. those kinds of our Walmart or whatever. Um, right. We don't, uh, we just don't believe that that's, that's a healthy thing for them to have to constantly be worried about that. Uh, we do sell on Amazon, but we maintain that account. And we've promised and made agreement, you know, an agreement basically with our retailers that we do not sell below retail on our website. 
and we don't sell below retail on Amazon. And we do that in an effort to make sure that those local mom and pop shops, the, the places that you can trust that you can walk into and you can touch the product and see it. And you know, we want those guys to, to build those relationships with those customers and feel like we're never going to steal their, their customer base. Right. Well, so that's one of the things we have, people call us and say, well, what, do you have a special, do you have a deal? Unfortunately, <laughs> we've made, <laughs> we've made deals with our retailers. We want to make sure that, that they're right. protected. And so we typically don't, don't do anything like that. Right. But I'm sure that the, those dealers, they could run a special. Could they not? Yeah, locally? We, they're absolutely. Yeah. And that's why we maintain our retailer prices and our MSRP on our website so that they have the ability to comfortably run specials and and work with their customers on that and get them the best price, possible prices. And then they, they're they still, you know, able to do business. Yeah. Make a little money. Yeah. That's what, that's what keeps the lights on. Sure. Yeah. Um, you gotta keep the lights on. Yeah. <laughs> So we uh, we closed the poll out. So I want to cover that real quick. Um, we've got uh, the poll question was, what type of targets do you use the most? 54% says paper. 37% says steel. Not really surprising there, I don't think. Nope. Rubber silicone polymer at 4%. That's a good thing <laughs> because that means there's a market out there that needs to probably buy some room targets. And then 4% yeah. said others. And I noticed there was a litany of, different things out there in the chat folks were talking about they use for targets which is always uh always fun um, Aaron, those frying pans you know <laughs> recycling yeah, um, pumpkins assuming you got the right place to shoot yeah old tvs computer monitors yep. there's all kinds Sorry. of cool things <laughs> somebody said tannerite it's like i agree with that tannerite is yeah, also yeah. Fun. i mean that's fun <laughs> yeah definitely um Air, before we get out of here, is, is there anything we didn't talk about with the company, the product line, anything like that, that you, we need to cover? Yeah, I think, I mean, one, one of the things that, you know, we're, you know, again, we're lucky to be a company that can manufacture here in the United States, you know, keep the lights on, keep our people, you know, employed and able to like work a manufacturing job here, you know, in New Jersey. Um, and you know, I, I'm just, I'm really proud to be able to, to work with my family to do this and continue to innovate and make this fun. And hopefully year after year, like change it up, make the targets, you know, better, you know, in some way and, and just add something extra to people's training. You know, I always laugh when somebody calls me and says, my range went non-steel <laughs> and they gave me your website and they're like begrudgingly they're ordering my targets and they're like, I don't know. This is what they told me. And they're mad about it. And then the next right. week they call and they go, we really, really love your stuff. Yeah. And we're okay. going to buy a whole lot, of a lot more. Right. <laughs> so, like, okay. this so, is I, cool. yeah. so I, I yeah. kind of think that it's funny. I think that, um, you know, USCCA, the magazine, the one day I was talking to, to the guys there and they said, we really see this as, um, you know, the opportunity for the industry to say, Hey, do you shoot paper, steel, room targets and mm -hmm. that really like you know obviously that means a lot to us uh because we work so hard to bring something to the industry that is worth your time and attention right well, so and there, and there may be there there's there's got to have been and probably still are hurdles for you guys yeah. because of some of the quote-unquote self-healing targets that are out there be it cheap chinese amazon stuff or sure. some of the stuff that you see at you know big big box stores yeah um and it from everything that i've that i've seen no experience with the products but everything that i've seen from shot and then hearing you talk today it, it seems like throwing is on a different level and so yeah. it's like you guys have to overcome that people are used to the the really cheap yeah. junk that does fall apart yeah your stuff is different mm -hmm. We struggled. We, you know, one of, um, you know, the shot show, obviously there wasn't a shot show last year, but the shot show the year before we were out there. And I think that the show had opened, it was like an hour into the show. Um, you know, we used to make the targets in orange. That was our top seller, but some of our competitors, a lot of our competitors use orange. Um, I think we were the first to introduce that color and that style to the market back in the nineties. And so other companies kind of picked up on that. Sure. And it was easy to confuse us with some of our competitors. Right. And so we're standing in the booth and this guy makes a 
beeline for us as if he had just come there to tell us off, right? Uh, we had just hired a new marketing rep and he happened to be standing in the booth and this guy came right up and he is yelling in John's face and, and just says, you know, I shot your targets and they're garbage and they don't work and blah, blah, blah. And then he starts describing them. It's clear he's not talking about us, right. but we struggled to find a rebuttal because it looks like ours. Our branding was kind of similar because of the orange right and everything and that was when we decided we need to become something else we need to become through targets we need to look more tactical we need to have a color that appeals to these people and that when they see it they realize that it's different you know there's something different about it so it has been a struggle for sure it was one of the first times that our marketing rep looked over at us and said holy moly we need a change here because if people think you're like the rest you know we don't have a chance and, you know, we've tried like holy heck to make an effort to differentiate ourselves and, and show that there can be a really good quality polymer reactive self-stealing target out there. There could be something that's that really is worth your ammo. <laughs> right, right. Uh, right. We got Ron, uh, Ron out there. He says, yes, made great price. Win, win. <laughs> totally Thanks, agree Ron. with that one. And uh, Wes out there says, I'll definitely be making an order soon. Very cool stuff. To that, remember, wherever you're at, live, replay, audio, video, whatever, there is a uh, link to uh, Thrum Targets down below. Uh, if people want to follow along with you guys, check out social media, any of those things, where do they, uh, we've got the website, obviously, linked below, yep. but where can they find you other places? Facebook and Instagram at Thrum Targets. Um, you'll see us on there. So those are our social handles. And then YouTube, we also have um, a YouTube channel. So at Room Targets. Awesome. Good stuff. And Aaron, moving forward, uh, new products, releases, anything comes along, let me know. We'll get you back yeah, on. We'll, we, uh, we'll talk about it. Big coming out um, in the next couple of weeks. We just filmed um, last week. And um I've been trying like heck to get permission before ahead of this from, uh, you know, the lawyers <laughs> to talk right. about it. Um, but I think uh, I'll reach out to you first and, uh, you know, you can check them out. But we've got a new technology coming out. Uh, we're so excited to share it. It's going to really, really uh, make a difference in terms of the way that you can train with these targets and the different ways that you can interact with them. Um, they're still going to sit fit the same mounts. So it'll just be an addition, something really awesome that, that you can add to your training. I can't wait to share it. So we'll definitely reach nice. out to you. Well, you're welcome anytime. Let me know. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Awesome. As for everybody so else, for you bet. As for everybody else, a little over an hour now. If you went this long in replay, God bless you. You're awesome. For all the great questions live and the people that dropped in live, thank you. That's what it's all about. And uh, remember, till next time, don't forget to change by our freedom. <laughs>